0: friends, and welcome to another episode of Booklist Shelf Care, the podcast, where we talk all things reader's advisory, collection development, and reference right in your little ears. I'm your host, Susan McGuire, here to guide you on our journey through all things bookish and library land. Let Freedom Read. It's the theme of this year's Banned Books Week, which feels more urgent than ever with ALA's Office for Intellectual Freedom documenting 1,269 demands to censor library books and resources in 2022 alone, the highest number of attempted book bans since ALA began compiling data about censorship in libraries more than 20 years ago. This astounding statistic will come as no surprise to those of us in library land. We see stories of embattled library staff attempting to keep collections open and available to all, or we are those embattled library staff. And when you consider that the books under attack are overwhelmingly written by LGBTQ plus and black authors, it's not hard to see something more insidious at play. But folks aren't sitting idly by. In today's episode, we have three stories of folks working to raise awareness of book banning and library censorship. First, I spoke to Courtney Hall and Matt Rodriguez, the hosts, along with ALA Executive Director Tracy D. Hall, of NBC Chicago Today's banned book club. We talked about how they're spreading the good word about the freedom to read. Then I chatted with Amanda Recupido, vice president of the Downers Grove Public Library Foundation here in Illinois, about a fundraising event they have coming up that centers around banned books. Finally, adult books editor Donna Seaman and I sat down to chat censorship, the strength of libraries, and a few good books she's read recently. Let's get to it. But first, a word from some friends. Professional development is super important for library staff, but finding the time and the funds is real tricky. Booklist webinars are a great way to squeeze some continuing education into your busy schedule. Each free one-hour webinar covers something staff can take right into their work. Like what? How's about picture books? Or sci-fi and fantasy books? Or craft books? Or book group picks? Or library management? Or library reads? so many topics covered each in one convenient hour. Register to watch the webinar live or to be notified when the video is up in the archives. All free, all just one hour. Perfect for those days when you only have enough time off the service desk to eat a sad sandwich in your office. Find upcoming webinars and archives at booklistonline.com slash webinars. All right, I'm here with Courtney Hall and Matt Rodriguez and we are gonna talk about... Reading band books together, yes, hooray! <laughs> you all announced the band's band. I always want to call it Band Books Club, but it's banned Book Club. In you January. know
1: what? We have that same problem. We couldn't. <laughs> we, it was a little tough in the beginning. Is it Band Books Club? Band booked book club? Yeah, it's a tongue twister.
0: But it's singular. Okay. Yeah. But you announced it in January of this year. What inspired you to start the club? Why did you partner with the American Library Association? What What's the
2: deal? I think what we had Tracy, Tracy yes. D. Hall on our show, and uh, we were so inspired by her as a person and also her approach to reading really inspired me personally just because um, I'm a reader, but, <laughs> it, you know, I haven't read this much in this voraciously since high school when it was mandated um, in my English class. But Tracy's kind of like non-judgmental, chill, encouraging vibe really made me excited about reading. And then that being said, talking to her about the actual issue of books being banned and some of the books that are banned are some of my most beloved books from childhood and going through puberty. I mean, I'm talking about G. Bloom right now. She meant so much to me and just It really hurt my soul to hear, you know, what libraries and librarians are going through right now. That's my answer. Matt, you might have a different one. Yeah, (laughs) no,
1: that was it. Tracy's dynamic personality really sucked us in. And then we're like, wait, what? I think we've heard about banned books before and I hadn't given it much thought. But when she came on our show for Bamboo Week in 2022, that really had us thinking, and we're like, okay, how can we do more? How can we grow this? And it started with just our show, and now it's expanded to include uh, the NBC Life Cell show that's similar to ours in Boston, The Hub Today, and then mm-hmm. also in California, uh, which is California Live, which airs in LA, San Diego, and uh, San Francisco. And then, you know, something that hit me as we were doing this, like Courtney and I are two of the people that are, the, the book banners are going after, right? I, I am a gay man and she is a black woman and we are hitting all kinds of categories right there. And those right. are some of the books that are really being targeted. And it, it, that wasn't our intention, but all of a sudden we're like, wait a minute, this is all about us. right? And obviously there are other categories too, but that's when it started to feel a a bit personal um no you're not going to tell me what I can and cannot read and no you're not going to try and silence our stories and I just like Courtney I was not much of a reader I became a little bit more of a reader in the pandemic but this this has really motivated me which is always a great thing if we can motivate people to yeah knowledge and and read
2: and and my thing is, like, it's not that I, like, wasn't a reader. It's, like, I'm a slow reader. And I was always yeah. very ashamed of that. Oh. Um, Like, I mean, I felt like it spoke to my ability to read or, you know. And, yeah, Tracy was so great and non judgmental about that. I'm, like, I have a lot of books on my shelf that I've read 75% of. Yeah. And she said, that just means you have boundaries. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. Excellent.
2: The ability to put down a book that you're not yeah. feeling is, like- I mean, that's... Not and everybody the, has that exactly, and it's the really great books that I just have to get to the end. Um, right. So, so anyway, yeah, that's funny. You'll get there. <laughs> yeah. When
0: I I used to work as a librarian, and people would come in and apologize for how fast they read or how slow they read or that they only wanted to read fluffy books instead of serious literature, and it's like everyone, everyone <laughs> needs to connect with their own books and. And that's why banning books is such a big deal because people read what they connect with, and if they can't see themselves in books, you know, because they're being banned, then it's they lose out on such an amazing opportunity to grow their humanity. Even, yeah, not to overstated, but you know, and it's really just
1: about look, like, like not every book is appropriate for every kid or every age or every right. person. But it's about having the opportunity to be able to read it and have a discussion about it if you are a parent or are concerned about someone younger reading a book, to to talk about the subject matter and and do that in your own household, not for everybody, right?
0: Right. That that way. Right. And I saw, um, I'm going to ask you about your interviews in a second, but I saw part of your interview with Sandra Cisneros, Cisneros, and she said something amazing that, I'm going to paraphrase that books are medicine. And if it's not your prescription, just put it back and let someone else find their prescription. And I thought that was so great.
3: That's There's
1: this this thinking that groups of people, especially I can speak to the queer community are trying to indoctrinate young people and trying to like convert y'all. Life's a lot easier if you're straight and white. <laughs> like, like let me tell you, it is. Uh so the the idea that people are trying to lure everyone to the other side, that that's just not it. We're not that organized. So
2: well, and then nobody's forcing you to read. Oh. No. Back right. to Sandra Cisneros' quote. I mean, it, if it's not your prescription, just put it on back on the shelf. You right. don't have to read it. But how dare you tell me what I can read and what, you know, my kids can read. Right. I mean, it's, if, if you think about it, the irony is it's the most un-American thing that mm-hmm. you can do. <laughs> yeah. You no, know, restrict my right to read what I want to read in a country that's supposed to be all about freedom. Right. right. Free people read freely, man.
1: Yeah. Free people read freely. And I'm just thinking about the, you know, say one of these books is on a sy- syllabus in school. That's what school is. You're supposed to be exposed to different cultures, different <laughs> ways, and and then have that discussion. And if you don't want to revisit it, you don't have to. Yeah. But, right. You know, like obviously there's there's exceptions to everything, but um it's frustrating. And uh, again. We weren't readers before this. And
2: and I think Tracy definitely put a face to the, to this issue for me, because I would kind of just see it on the news and I'd be like, Oh, banning books. Like, what are we going to try witches now too? Like, it's like, seems so crazy, but it became very real when we, when we heard about it from somebody in person who we really love to talk to, Mm -hmm. uh, that's when i was like wow this is a really big problem
0: yeah so i know you you started with all boys aren't blue by george m johnson which it's a pretty new book but it's it really was sort of like the the figurehead for the modern book banning movement mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Which is really a bummer. And then you did *The House on Mango Street* by Sandra Cisneros, which is a great Chicago book. What Amen. what goes into picking a book for the club? What What else have you read? And if you can say what you're planning to read
2: next. So we did uh, *All Boys Aren't Blue*. *House on Mango Street*. We did *Judy Bloom*. Um, *Are You There God? It's Me Margaret*. Mm-hmm. We did um, *Salman Rushdie*. *Midnight's Children*. Yeah. Then we did. Was it sixteen nineteen? Right after that.
1: The sixteen nineteen. Project. Sixteen nineteen. Yeah. Right
2: after that, and and then our current book is going to be the hill we climb. Amanda Gorman. Oh great. The poem. Um, yeah. Which I don't. I'm <laughs> not do like, Problem with that. Which is like so crazy, but right so, uh, here we are. Uh, the hill we climb. I think that we liked to. We wanted to pick a variety for a while in the beginning. We were picking a lot of YA. Books because those are the books that are most banned. But then I, you know, at some point, it's very personal because at some point I'm like, I've always wanted to read a Salman Rushdie book, and he just got stabbed in the eye, and he just got out of Mm -hmm. the hospital, and I'm like, he's, you know, and his books, you know, I've heard about them, but I just needed an excuse to read one. So that's um, the case.
1: Sorry to interrupt, but that's the case where you know those book banners did not read that book because that is a thick. Long, right? It a, right. Dance. <laughs> like, you're not telling me you read this
2: book. You just took some <laughs> passage. No, no, exactly. Like, you didn't read this book. Like, <laughs> I can barely read this book. You can definitely. Yeah, read you it. definitely didn't read it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think a lot of it is like, is selfish on my part. Like, oh, I wanted to read Salman Rushdie. Uh, we want to do a variety. We want to do books that you would never think are banned or that people mm-hmm. have any like beloved books and like oh my gosh somebody has a problem with that we wanted to do the hill we climb uh well i wanted to do it because it's short after the yeah. two, <laughs> after the two thickies written in, in uh salmon rusty in 1619 thick and heavy um literally and figuratively but um uh, the hill we climb plus uh, sh- she's very topical right now so, I mean that's my reasoning. Do you have any reasons to add to that? Well, no, no. I think that's
1: also, and like Tracy really bring, breaks it down for us, Yeah, um, mm-hmm. which makes it very easy. So we do, you know, we work really closely with the ALA, their team. I cannot say, uh, you know, Raymond and Payal, what a great group we've been working with on this. <laughs> and everybody's just kind of figuring it out as we go along. And it started mm-hmm. really small and now it's grown and yeah. for it to continue to grow and expand. Um, yeah, a, a lot. You know,
2: Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I was just gonna say we have small teams, but there's a lot of heart that goes into everything. And, and Tracy curates a nice list, and then we all kind of discuss it and what, what would be good for a viewer. What would be good for what we've done already in comparison? You know, trying to make it different each time. It's we, we're not Oprah. You know, we don't have like a team. <laughs>
2: yeah, you know, yeah don't
1: we don't. We're not Oprah. We don't have this team of people. We can't like do a nice. We'd love to do a book club in someone's living room and like get viewers flown in and all of that. We're not there yet. (laughs) Um, Yeah. yeah, Yeah. We're not there yet, but uh, we do what we can. And even just by announcing the title on TV, uh, Mm -hmm. it does something. And now we're (laughs) trying to do more more of a discussion behind it and always talk with the authors if we
2: can. I also like that Tracy will think about like, Oh, you know, AAPI month is coming up or mm-hmm. she'll think about those things. And she's like, we should do an Asian author. She's always thinking about diversity and, yeah. and what, what's, what's coming up and uh, what should be celebrated. Right. Right. So
0: you, you mentioned talking to the authors. What's it like <laughs> talking to the author of the book you just read? What kind of insights do they give you on, on their books and on book banning? And is that like an amazing starstruck Hi. experience? I'd
1: Matt. say I don't know. I feel like Nicole was Nicole Hannah Jones was the the one that got me the most nervous, and, and not nervous. That was probably not the word, but excited. And a and uh, and the fact that she was also in person, which is great. It wasn't mm-hmm. a Zoom. She was here in Chicago, and I felt like I was actually awful in the interview because of that. Like I had so many questions and thoughts and. I feel like I couldn't wrap my head around it all because you want to be casual and cool with them, but you also want to be impressive with your knowledge and how much you learned and how you read the book, (laughs) woke and educated you are. And then you're like, I go to ask the question. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, uh, but she, she was very kind. And I mean, we had some laughs before and after we, we filmed. And I think because her book was, such a moment is such a movement Mm -hmm. um, that was all very uh, very exciting to be just to have just step into her circle a little bit
2: yeah I same thing I mean well I always find it very intimidating to read to to interview the author especially if it's the author of a book that meant a lot to you Mm -hmm. I could say that probably with Sandra Cisneros um, just because I read her book in high school, middle school, when I was growing up and then I read it, it reread it and just, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's a real person, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's like, you yeah. know, so that, I mean, but then when you meet that, like, she's. And she was just excited to
1: be there as we were to have her.
2: Which right. Interesting. Yeah. It, it's, she was probably, yeah, the least intimidating when you meet her, but leading up to it. And then we had, we were lucky enough, we had dinner with um, George M. Do- M. Johnson mm-hmm. um, after the interview when uh, they flew back, when they flew to Chicago to speak at, what was that the Chicago Humanities Festival or something?
1: No, they, they were speaking at uh, Cop Purdue or something at a
2: at, college. At a yeah. uh, college. Anyway, yeah. we had dinner. And I mean, it's just so interesting to see these authors as like, oh, real people. Mm-hmm. I also love when they, when people you see as being super smart uh talk about superficial things, <laughs> yeah' <laughs> <laughs> when you're just like oh,
0: they're real people,
1: they're real yeah. people, <laughs> but, it's so silly, but we you know we connect with people all the time every day and in what we do, and then for us to go to dinner with george that w- that's a rarity, you know, I think people think, oh, you interview them and then you're friends, and that's often not the case at all, right so the fact that they said, Oh, Hey, I'm going to be back in town. You want to grab dinner? You're like, Oh, great. And then you can, yeah. have, then you can have the discussion that, you know, might not necessarily really wanna... have on camera <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for daytime NBC, but, um, it's, it, it's interesting. And and in fact, sometimes I still, uh, text with them from time to time, just a question or thought on this or, you know,
2: and, and that's, if we, that's special. If we had got Judy Bloom. Ever, if she ever wanted to come on the show, Judy, come on our show. Yeah, let's um, manifest. I think that. I would, I would really probably lose my mind. Right, I, I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. No, I. And she's so normal, but yeah, well, but I would just, just because I know what that book was for me at that moment in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just brings you back. Yeah,
1: we we yeah. did see her backstage at the. ALA conference here in Chicago over the summer, and we were speaking at the the, right before she was going on, and yeah, that there was an energy. It was like yeah, (laughs) yeah. It was like Obama backstage with that.
0: Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you sort of touched on this in the beginning, but how has participating in this book group changed your reading life? Has (laughs) it changed your perspective on the importance of reading, or has it opened your mind in any way? I'd say so. Um,
2: I think.
1: I think we both thought it was important, right? Like, yeah, I always I, thought know.
2: it. I always thought it was important. I always envied people who like were able to read a lot of books. Um, I think I'm very um, deadline oriented, mm-hmm. just as a person. So I think I needed this to just to read, <laughs> you yeah. know, to read in the way that I want to read. Um, I think I needed the the structure of a book club. And so I think it's helped me in that regard. And it's allowed me to read and reread things that have always been like on my mind and on my list, mm-hmm. but on my list and it never gets done. Yeah. No, I, um, you know, the pan- the
1: book club has certainly helped it, but the pandemic really opened my eyes a lot. And I started reading more than I ever did. Mm-hmm. I mean let's not talk about me in college or high school or anything right. like that. Um, so it was there. And then this book club came along and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to keep this going. And I'm not going to lie. It's still difficult. It's still hard. My mind still wanders. You know, it, it's hard to focus sometimes when I read, I'm, I'm just a kind of all over the place person. And for 16, 19, because of that, I read, I listened to the book on tape, which is the first oh. time I've done that with any of our books and I found that to be helpful because every author was different. Every author read their chapter.
4: Oh, nice. And
1: I found that. And that's a that's another dense book.
4: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, to just find time to sit and read that is hard. So walking to work while I'm at the gym, all of that really helped me get it all in. And I think my, this thought just occurred to me. I think I was always embarrassed to go to the audiobook version because I felt like that was cheating. No. You know, I feel like it's a, some part of me thinks it's some kind of cop out, like you need to sit there with the book, which I do prefer. I do prefer reading it myself, but admitting, OK, it's all right. At least I'll get the information in some way. Uh, that is OK, too.
0: All the librarians who are listening right now are like, no, audiobooks are reading. They can't get yeah. it <laughs> So That's great.
1: That's good. OK, now I feel validated. Yeah, yeah,
0: you're validated. So how can folks participate in the Band Book Club?
2: Oh. you asked yeah matt how well
3: Well,
2: now it's in three it's in it's well it's in it's six markets yeah that we are airing it on tv chicago today of course is doing it then california live which airs in la southern california and northern california yeah so that's three markets there and then we've got um the hub in boston so i guess that's five different markets where It's airing on television, but you can always stream the show and just watch when we announce our next band book. And then, of course, social media. We try to put a post out in collaboration with the ALA as to what we're reading. Please read along with us. And then we have a follow-up discussion. We're having the book club discussion. We're actually doing that tomorrow with the ALA and then our other hosts in the other markets and then anybody can participate in that um through commenting and would we'll be live. Um yeah. did I leave something out Matt.
1: No, I think you're right. I mean again, you know, we have our show. I wish we had you know its own website or its own mm-hmm. play. It's, it's we, a role. Again, it's again, we don't have that huge team. So we're doing a lot of other things. But right. um, we're getting the word out there however we can, and hopefully it'll just get easier and easier. But yes, we've the one consistent thing is it's on our show every month, normally that first week. Uh, it is that first week of the month. Mm-hmm. And then we do do a collab post with the American Library Association and at NBC Chicago Today on Instagram uh, for anyone who wants to follow that. And then Courtney and I both share it on our handles. and. Yeah. So, it, you know, anyone helping us get the word out there is great.
0: Yeah. I love and I love book groups and I love just the idea of reading the reading community. And I think what you're doing to draw attention to banned books is so important. So thank you for doing it.
2: Thank you. And thank, oh, thank you for chatting. You. Of yeah. Course. Thank you. Oh, it's fun. Great. All right. Free good people luck.
1: Read freely. Free yes. Free people read, freely. People read freely.
2: Exactly. Thank <laughs> you.
1: Thank you so much. Yes, good luck to everyone out there on their book clubs.
0: Say, do you like reading? Do you like hearing what authors have to say about their writing? Then you've just got to hear the Shelf Care interview. It's a quick conversation between a book lister and a book person about their work, their inspiration, and whatever else we can fit in under 15 minutes. Hear Maggie Reagan talk to Ibram X. Kendi and Jason Reynolds about Stamped, Racism, Anti-Racism, and You. Hear Ronnie Curry chat with Susan Mwadi-Daraj and Simon Nurali about their series for young readers, Farah Rocks and Sadiq, or to Saba Tahir, Nicole Andelfinger, and Sonia Lau and their graphic novel, A Thief Among the Trees. Hear Julia Smith talk to Tracy Hecht about the Nocturnal series, and more. Can you believe there's more? You can find the Shelf Care interview right on this here podcast feed, or wherever you listen to Booklist Shelf Care the Podcast. Happy listening! All right. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for joining me.
4: Thanks so much for having me.
0: I'm really excited to talk to you about this um, banned Books Masquerade. But before, before we get into that, since this podcast goes out to places who might not be familiar with Chicagoland, tell us a little bit about Downers Grove and the Downers Grove Public Library Foundation.
4: Yeah. So Downers Grove is a suburb that's about half hour west of Chicago. We are a suburb of about 50,000, and if you're familiar with the Chicagoland area, a lot of the suburbs have populated along our commuter train line, which is the Metra, Um, so our our downtown where our library is situated is, you know, very vibrant. Um, I think of HGTV around all the shops and restaurants. When we first moved here, I thought, wow, this is like Stars Hollow. Uh, There's always (laughs) a street fest going on. It's a really nice uh, and tight-knit community. And so the Library Foundation had been around since 2006, but really in this current iteration was revitalized around 2017, 2018. Um, so we got a few good years in and then the pandemic hit. Yeah. And we were really needed in the pandemic because we helped with expanded online offerings and programs and some satellite stacks uh, to assisted living facilities and other ways to help out the community during that time. Um, but this is really our first year back in that pre-pandemic uh, iteration. And this is our first of its kind uh, fundraising event. So we're really excited uh, to be doing this. Nice.
0: So so tell us about, it's called Celebrate the Freedom to Read, a Band Books Masquerade. What do you have
4: planned? Okay. This event has everything. We've got a DJ, we've got to have a live band and hopefully some dancing. There will be yes. food, course, it's being held at a brewery. So we've got some beverages It is a 21 plus um, event. There'll be silent auction items. um, So lots of things. Uh, It was very important to us um, to be accessible to the community. So we have, um, you know, different tiered ticket prices. So you can just come and hang out. Um, And then for those who are able, we hope they spend a lot of money um, to give back to the library that we love. We're also firming some special guest speakers. So our local representative, Rep. Uh, Sava Murray, will be giving some remarks. Um, those in Illinois may know that she first introduced um, our anti-book banning legislation that mm-hmm. had recently passed, and she and she's ours. So we're very proud to have her. Yay! And you know, for those listening, I'm sure you're aware that Illinois is had that first in the nation legislation. Um, so where if you're a public entity like a library or a school and you choose or, you know, uh, follow pressure to ban or censor a book, you will not receive um, or be eligible to receive public funding. Mm-hmm. And we see that at least one other state is trying to adopt um, similar legislation. So as excited we are in Illinois to celebrate this, um, you know, we also know we will be a testing ground to see if this actually holds water. So it's still yeah. very important we celebrate, um, but we also know, that, you know, we can't take anything for granted and we have to celebrate those freedoms.
0: Yeah. So why did you choose banned books as the theme this year?
4: Yeah. So we're holding it during Banned Books Week. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was that was an easy tie-in. It's the first week of October. And, you know, Banned Be- Books Week has been around since the early 80s. Um, but even way before that, you know, ALA's Freedom to Read Statement uh, was out in 1953, so 70 years ago. So we've been you know, dealing with the freedom to read, you know, for 70 years. And again, it's a right we don't want to take for granted. And we want to celebrate that. As a foundation, you know, we are, we support everything that the library does. Um, And they stand for access to information and intellectual freedom. Um, So it just seems like in in the current climate, you know, where libraries around the country, I mean, libraries have closed down, um, libraries have become privatized, Again, we're lucky in Illinois, but, you know, downer than other areas in the Chicagoland area, you know, have not been without their challenges. So we, we again, want to celebrate what we have achieved and hopefully be a beacon to those other areas uh, that might be struggling more. And, again, to know that it's just part of a larger fight uh, nationwide.
0: Right. Yeah. And it is. I mean, it's it's scary out there. So what what has been the response from the public?
4: Yeah, we've been lucky. Everyone has been super supportive. Um, so Skeleton Key Brewery, which is where the event is being held. Part of the reason we left the venue is because they have a bookshelf in in the brewery itself. Um, nice. So they're going to stock it with banned books. Um, also, given the skeleton of uh, their name, they have that giant 12-foot Home Depot skeleton, yeah. like their mascot in the brewery. They're gonna don it with a t-shirt. I'm with the band. Um, so they've just been leaning into it. I think we're gonna try and make all the food items have some type of band book to name with it. And yeah, people in the community, like there's a little bit of buzz, people are talking about it, but even people outside the community, people coming from all over. Not every library and due page you know, has a foundation. A lot have friends groups. Mm-hmm. So you know it's just really important when you see these opportunities if you're a library lover to support them and come out even if it's not your community.
0: Right. Well, the reason I ask about the response from the public is because Downers Grove had made the news last year when they they had a plan to do a, a drag queen bingo event, but then threats of violence forced them to shut it down. Did that have anything to do with choosing your theme for the masquerade that sort of horrible event? I mean, not the event isn't horrible. The fact that the event was canceled is what's horrible,
4: right. And you know, as the foundation, you know the foundation had nothing to do with that event, but we support the library and their decisions and their programming choices um and add, we all of the values of the library. Of you know equity diversity inclusion obviously that event the intent was to make a safe space for the LGBT and especially youth um, LGBT mm-hmm. uh, population in our community um, which is very real so again I think we there's many reasons um, that we chose this theme and you know celebrating that inclusion is part of it and when there is a challenge to access whether it's a program or a book. You know, we want to be on the on the right side of history there.
0: Yeah, and it's it's. I imagine it's tough, especially in a small, like you said, it's it's a, a tight knit, stars hollowish community. To see kind of that ugly side come out, that must have been kind of a unpleasant revelation for folks.
4: Well, and you know. Even if there's, you know, disagreements like in any community, like we still love our neighbors. Like I know whenever it's an election year, there's different yard signs on my block. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are still folks that, you know, we may disagree politically, but we still all get along. And I think um, you know, we're cognizant of that. Yeah. And it's just a reminder, again, if you think about, you know, not just Downers Grove, not just Illinois, but the kind of this like this larger picture of what's happening. And maybe some of the messages that are out there about what are in some of these books, you know, the response is usually, well, have you read it? You know, right. have you taken what the message of some of these books are actually saying or who they're trying to reach and are they helpful? And usually the answer is yes. And, you know, thinking about a lot of this is fear. So we don't want to give in to fear. Mm-hmm. and we want to celebrate. Um, my gosh, books saved my life so many different times and connected me in made me feel normal in many different ways. So we just know how important books are and having access to these books you know, is is paramount.
0: Right. And that access, I mean, you know, it's not just books under attack. It's, you know, the very institution of the library in and, you know, it sounds like Downer's Grove has a lot of support from the community, which is so wonderful. But a lot of places, you know, the whole the whole institution of the
4: library is under attack and it's a real,
0: it's a real bummer.
4: Yeah. And, you know, the whole part, the whole point about living in a democracy is you have to actively participate in it. And it's not just, you know, every two years, um, if people even do that at the voting booth. Right. You know, for example, like our library board, and again, the difference between, for those who don't know, like the foundation that I sit on is a private 501c3, whereas the board usually can be elected and downer's drove, they're appointed. Mm-hmm. so. You can't directly, uh, you know, vote in a member of a board member, but the village council and the mayor have a say in that. So these local elections, they matter. Um, yeah. And I don't even know what our turnout was. But, you know, those municipal elections are usually low. Right. And then, of course, the library itself is a public entity that receives tax dollars and and you know money from the state. So, you know, as the foundation, we are really the we have the reserves. Um, you know, if the library wants to try something new um, or to supplement, you know, things that they don't already have, you know, we're lucky. Donner's Grove is a pretty financially sound library. That's not always the case um, elsewhere. Oh. But that's why it's also so important to, to advocate for and to give to and just participate in the systems that you love and to not take public institutions for granted.
0: Right. Again.
4: Some libraries have just flat out closed or they're underfunded, um, you know, they're understaffed. So to build up these resources, I was talking not pretty recently about how, you know, Andrew Carnegie, for all his faults, uh, when you had these like very wealthy people, they were very philanthropic. And, you know, he essentially set up the library system in our country. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have... uh, we met some wealthy people uh, today and some are very philanthropic like a McKenzie Scott and you know others are not. Um and there's not that same investment in not just libraries but in museums and like our public institutions. I think in Chicago, you know, a uh, Maggie Daly was great in public art investment and other, you know, cultural, you know, venues and institutions. But you know, on the individual level, you know, even if you're like, well, I'm not a billionaire, I can't make a difference. But even even using the services, now use your local library, right. do not buy from Amazon, you know, don't use Audible, <laughs> yeah. like, support your independent bookstores, support your local library, you know, request a book, go to their programs, follow them on social media, like a post, those little things add up. And, you know, if you ever get to be one of those people who can, you know, give some money at whatever scale you can, that's really, we vote with our dollars every day and your attention. Um, So that's all important.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, I always say that there are many, many ways to support your local public library, but one of the best ways to do it is is to use it. Absolutely. Yeah. So what do you hope attendees take away from this banned books masquerade besides having an amazing time?
4: Yeah, I just want folks to be aware um, to not take these public institutions for granted.
0: Mm -hmm.
4: You know, some people are maybe a little aware that there's been, you know, that even book bans have been happening um, it's like really you know that's still a thing right and even some of the books that are being banned they're recent bans um they're not like you know the ones that we've had before that are just continually being challenged it's you know whole lists of books um whole mm-hmm. genres and i think you know we we know what those genres are and and why mm-hmm. um and it all comes back to this you know diversity equity and inclusion measure um, so just to continue to live our values and live them every day um, and however we can. Foundations
0: and friends groups and and sort of extra library groups are so important to, to keep the library running. And, I, you know, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. I'm sure the Downers Grove Public Library loves you guys, too. And I hope the event is a huge success. It sounds like it's going to be really fun.
4: Yeah, and I guess I didn't say we're encouraging folks to dress as their favorite literary character. Um, oh, I know, nice. I know my dad like I'm not dressing up, but yeah, you know, we hope we hope I in my outfit. Yeah, so who are you dressing as? Don't don't bury the lead there. Oh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have it uh, be a surprise as I'm getting okay, all the okay. elements together. Yeah, but if any folks um, are interested, if you're in the area or if you just are inspired by this story and want to you know th- throw through dollars our way. We are DGPL Foundation um, for Downs Grove Public Library Foundation.org. dot um, And the event itself is under Freedom to Read. So we hope that you check that out. And we're on Instagram and Facebook now, too, at the same DGPL Foundation.
0: Awesome. And I'll, I'll make sure that's in the show notes so folks can <laughs> check it out. I'm sure you'll post pictures after the event and everything, too. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I can't wait. I can't wait to see. Well, thank you so much for chatting. Good luck with the event. And um, again, thank you guys for for all that you do. Hey, Thanks for having me. Want to share that great Booklist Reader's Advisory content with your patrons? Now it's easy with Booklist Reader, a selection of backlist book lists and best ofs designed with your patrons' reading needs in mind. Want to know the best book group books? Booklist Reader has a list. Looking for great middle-grade graphic novels? There's a list for that. What about the best mysteries and thrillers on audio? You better believe Booklist Reader has a list for that, too. Best of all, the titles featured are already on your shelves, so no need for frustrating holds cues. Booklist Reader is included with your subscription to Booklist, so you can share this digital magazine on your library's website or in newsletters. Find Booklist Reader on booklistonline.com reader hyphen issues and start sharing the great Reader's Advisory content with your patrons today. Hi, Donna. Hi, Susan. So we're talking about banned books this episode and the different things that folks are doing to bring awareness to the issues of censorship in the library. And I know Booklist is tackling the topic
3: as well in our October 1st issue. Can you talk a little bit about what adult books has planned? Yes, I'm happy to. Thank you so much. (laughs) So to start with, I put together, you know, our, um, we have these lists called The Essentials. Mm-hmm. And they're essential retrospective titles about certain subjects. So I thought, well, let's do censorship for our October 1st issue. So I, I looked back at books and I was, it's interesting to think about when the last big wave of um, First Amendment struggles were with libraries. And I was remembering that it was actually after the Patriot Act, when librarians were asked to sort of tell various officials what people had checked out of the library and refused to do so. So that was a long time ago. That was after 9-11. But there's plenty of books in between them. So I put together, um, with help from my colleagues, including you, The Essentials, Banned Books in the First Amendment. Um, So... These are books that just really cover the facts about the long history of book banning, of censorship, other attacks like trying to get library records on our um, freedom to read and uh, freedom of access to materials, our First Amendment right. Um, So these books, some of them are reference books. They're just major works. There's sadly a huge history of banned books all around the world, of course, but also in our own country of the United States. Uh, One of them is a First Amendment freedoms handbook that just explains exactly what the First Amendment rights are. Foundations of Intellectual Freedom by Emily J.M. Knox, who has done Ban Book's panels for Book Less Than ALA. She's fantastic. A new book. Oh, this one's interesting. One about um, the banning of Harry Potter books. Mm -hmm. Three about that. Very, very specific. The rest of these are our broader a brand new book by James LaRue, who was head of ALA's Office of Intellectual Freedom for a bit. He's a former public library director. It's titled On Censorship, a public librarian examines cancel culture in the U.S. That received a starred review and book list. Um, he certainly knows his stuff. <laughs> um, and then I included a couple of older um, titles, one by the famous brave publisher Barney Rossett, um, who published works by D. H. Lawrence and Henry Miller and William S. Burroughs and a bunch of other scandalous, <laughs> allegedly scandalous writers. So he, you know, he went to court to protect um, rights to publish books, to fight, in this case, anti-obscenity laws, but it just reminded me of the kind of books that are being banned now, books that have to do with sexuality and um, you know, people that are um, just considered non not mainstream for whatever um, warped reasons, right? So I did that on there and a book by Sarah Paretzky, who you know the great beloved crime writer, Chicago writer, groundbreaking woman sleuth, Vi Warshawski, She wrote um, a book called Writing in an Age of Silence, and um, this goes back a while to 2007. But she talks about social justice and she really addresses. Um, different kinds of censorship, including corporate censorship, rather than the way um, books are treated as products, and perhaps some books get censored before they're even published sometimes through yeah, sure. profit motive, as well as political issues. So um, I hope it's a useful list. I believe that we the, we the readers need to be empowered and, and defend our rights. Yeah, and
0: defend, defend the library as an institution. And the library, my gosh! So, I mean, this like we're we're in this major wave of book banning, but it's not new. And you um, revisited a classic
3: banned book recently, right? I did. I did. You're so right about that. I always find history; it's really important to put today in a larger context. Not that it diminishes the urgency of what's happening, but you can learn a lot from earlier pioneers that fought censorship. Um, and the classic I've been re- rereading is Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit Four Fifty One, the famous novel about uh, book burnings, let alone banning. <laughs> so it's it's a, it's such a prescient novel I can hardly believe it. And this I I have an old paperback edition that is the fiftieth anniversary of Fahrenheit Four Fifty One, and um, and. It's old. So it's really been a while. He was just phenomenal. So yeah, this was, oh my God. Yeah. So it, the original pub date was 1953. Three. And I was, there's an interview in the back, which I really enjoyed. And he um, answers some questions about um, book banning. And she says, um, at one point, the interviewer says, one thing people sometimes forget about Fahrenheit 451 is that the government doesn't begin by burning books. It's ordinary people who turn away from reading and the habits of thought and reflection it encourages. When the government starts actively censoring information, most people don't even bat enough. eye. How important is reading to the health of a democracy like ours, the yeah. F? Ray Bradbury answers. Let's imagine there's an earthquake tomorrow in the average university town. If only two buildings remained intact at the end of the earthquake, what would they have to be in order to rebuild everything that has been lost? Number one would be the medical building because you need that to help people survive to heal injuries and sickness. The other building would be the library. All the other buildings are contained in that one. People could go into the library and get all the books they needed in literature or social, economics or politics or engineering, and take the books out on the lawn and sit down and read. Reading is at the center of our lives. The library is our brain. Without the library, you have no civilization. Wow. Right? Yes. I mean, he was
0: such an amazing library champion, and he really gets
3: it. He really gets it. And you're right. He wrote in libraries. That yeah. was his big thing. He um, would leave his apartment I, when he lived in California, I guess it was LA. And he loved public libraries. And he would go, he'd spend all day writing there and, and reading. And right. Great, great. the brilliance of his visions, it just never ceased to amaze me. So yay for Brad, Ray Bradbury. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to mention our partner at PBS Books. I noticed um, how I was reading. Uh, page proofs for our October booklist reader, which has lots of great stuff in it. And I noticed that our um, PBS Books page, they mentioned that they are featuring on their website, pbsbooks.org, a bunch of banned books materials. They have interviews with banned authors and other materials. So I encourage people to take a look at that. Nice. Yeah, we'll, have, we'll link that in the show notes. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I just saw that. Well... Let's move on to something happier. (laughs) All right. What what books are you reading and loving lately? Oh, my goodness. So quite a few. I do want to mention Roman Stories by Jhumpa Lahori. Um, Jhumpa Lahori won her Pulitzer for a collection of short stories, but she has not had a short story collection in quite a number of years now. She's had novels. She's had nonfiction. Um, She's taken the fascinating journey of um, moving to Rome or Italy, learning Italian and writing in Italian, and then translating her work into English. <laughs> so uh, I, she did that with a novel titled Whereabouts a couple of years ago. Now we have a new short story collection from Jump with Lavori called Roman Stories, Stories Set Mostly in Rome or Nearby. They are so beautiful. I feel like that. That translation process for her makes her prose extra clean and crisp, and just uh, they're just really classically fine short stories. I did a read-alike to go with it because her themes are so interesting: um, immigrants, expats, other outsiders uh, living in a in and around Rome, and sort of navigating that ancient city and its hierarchies. And uh, it's just a, it's great. Yeah, Yeah, it made me happy. She's wonderful. She is so smart and and really, really beautiful writing. Um, I'll I'll mention a real quick, um, oh, oh, I know what it's called. A real quick, another short story collection that just popped in my head by Lydia Davis. Lydia Davis is famous for her short, short, short stories. Like some are just a couple of sentences. She's hilarious and super smart. She has a new book coming out called Our Strangers. And uh, I just loved it. There's, it's so clever. She gets more said in a paragraph than any of us do <laughs> in three pages. So, Lydia Davis, another great writer, um, and then I, I always like to talk about nonfiction, of course. Um, so I want to mention the Sisterhood: The Secret History of Women in the CIA. This is by Liza Mundy, and she's this is a huge, brilliant, astonishing book. Um, She follows some of the first women that worked for the CIA and over the course of their hard fought careers. And um, there's a lot in here about uh, women, right to work, equal equality, the elusive equality in the workplace, and also geopolitics. It will make your hair stand up. It's pretty terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So excellent.
0: Awesome. Well, those sound good. And we'll have links in the show notes so
3: you can read the book list reviews and. Pick them up. The lunch. Good. I could go on, but I know time is tight. Time is tight, and we'll we'll have you back. Don't worry. Good. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Donna. Great to talk to you, Susan. Thanks.
0: And that's it for this episode of Shelf Care, the podcast. Thank you to NBC Chicago Today's Courtney Hall and Matt Rodriguez, Downers Grove Public Library Foundation's Amanda Recubito, and the great Donna Seaman, editor adult books here at Booklist, for chatting with me about banned books and the work they're doing to raise awareness. If you like what you've heard, won't you consider rating and reviewing us on your nearest podcast app? That will help others find our bookish goodness. Thank you kindly, and happy reading!